Welcome to War Docs, the military medicine podcast. Our mission is to preserve the oral history of military medicine told from the perspective of the healthcare heroes that lived it. Find out more and join Team War Docs at wardocspodcast.com. In this special War Doc series called Military Medicine Mentorship Moments, we have partnered with AMSIS, the Society of Federal Health Professionals, to bring you insights and advice about different aspects of mentorship from senior experienced military medical leaders. I'm your host, retired Army urologist Doug Soderdahl. Our featured military medical mentor is retired Air Force Lieutenant General Dr. Mark Ettinger. Dr. Ettinger is a family medicine physician with additional residency training in aerospace medicine. He served as the 22nd Surgeon General of the Air Force. You can read his full bio on wardoxpodcast.com. General Ettinger, welcome to Military Medical Mentorship Moments. Pleasure to be with you. In this episode, we'll be focusing on the types of mentorship relationships and how they develop and how they flourish. So let's get right into it. What are the different types of mentorship relationships? I think there's a a spectrum. They really range from being totally unstructured and informal, being highly structured and much more formal. You'll see all different parts of that spectrum in use and uh, and all can be effective. And to some degree, they can be tailored to match the uh, relationship with format that the mentor and the mentee are most comfortable with. They can also be tailored to match the the mission or the scenario in which they are engaged. But many times you will actually see more than one form used in a particular relationship between a mentor and a mentee. And it's been my observation that relationships that are successful, that are delivering real value for the mentee, often are the ones that will expand in terms of the range of different forms of mentoring. And so an example of a non-structured one would be something that I call mentoring in the mission, which is uh, really just in the act of going about the mission and performing in the mission, that there are those uh, teachable moments, if you will, where you have the opportunity to talk about and to identify what could be learned from something that's occurring, even as it's occurring. So that's an example of one that's uh, non-structured, occurs uh, ad hoc, without notice in the mission. Whereas a uh, highly structured one would be uh, scheduled and deliberate, probably formatted, maybe even with a template that followed, maybe even with some prior work by the mentee in particular in preparation for it. And then in between is mentoring that occurs deliberately at a designated place and time, but it's very loosely structured. It's more of a relaxed conversation, if you will. So those are those are some examples of the ranges that I've seen. So when you're in these different types of structured, non-structured, lightly structured, can you convert from one to another? How does that happen if it does? You can convert, and, and I've, I've certainly had relationships as a mentee and as a mentor in which they, they have changed, and that, that tends to evolve uh, as the interaction proceeds. In particular, as the relationship develops and solidifies and the mentee is really experiencing value from the interaction, it's been my experience that you'll begin to find other venues and other opportunities to have interactions, and maybe it starts in a more structured format. But then as the two work together and develop a relationship, you'll see more and more of the non-structured mentoring take place. So in your opinion, what is the primary goal or purpose of a mentorship relationship? I've always thought of that relationship as really being primarily oriented towards moving towards self-sufficiency in the mentee. And by self-sufficiency, I mean the ability 
to have the insight to be self-aware and to assess experiences, assess failures, and actually identify the lessons to be learned from those on your own. Now, I say move towards self-sufficiency because I don't know that we ever really get self-sufficient. I think we all need mentors every step of the way. But I think the relationship, if it's successful, helps the mentee move towards self-sufficiency and being self-aware, self-assessing, and learning with every experience that occurs you know, as you proceed through your professional life and your personal life. And so I've always seen it as learning to learn and learning to be self-aware and to actually consciously take advantage of the opportunities to reflect on what's occurred and see what should be learned from that, and then apply those lessons. So when a mentor and a mentee get together, what kind of activities do they normally do? Yeah, when a mentor and mentee get together, again, it can vary with the degree of structure. It will will vary with degree of structure of the relationship. I think the most prevalent form of relationship and mentoring session are those that are low structured, in my opinion where there's a deliberate time and place set aside, uh, but it's more of a conversation. It generally takes place as a dialogue, and the dialogue is really centered around questions. The mentoring that, appro- that occurs in a non-structured format, which is in the mission, may be less of a dialogue. It may be uh, one or two brief questions that prompt the mentee to stop and reflect and, uh, and provide an answer, but it may be very, very brief, often is. And so th- those are the kind of formats. One of my most uh, impactful mentors in my Air Force career, he had an interesting way of approaching mentoring session. He was very busy. He was an Air Force Surgeon General. So for uh, his mentoring sessions, he would invite you to his office at a scheduled time and he would buy you lunch. And so we would sit down and have lunch together, which was pretty amazing to me. And uh, it actually had a real impact because it really sent the message that this was so important to him that he was giving up his lunch hour in probably the only uh, discretionary time he had throughout his typical day. And he was devoting it to spending it with you and talking about you. And so Sometimes you can do things like that, really signal to the mentee as a mentor that you are focused, you are committed, and uh, and you have taken the effort to set this time aside to apply that. Are there any other things that mentors can do to make the relationship successful or the mentee even to make it successful? Yeah, absolutely. Both ways. I think for the mentor... It's really important to be focused and to really set it up in a way to where distractions are very, very unlikely. And so there are things that uh, we have around us, especially today with digital devices and things that can readily interrupt us. And so I think making a conscious effort to set up the environment so that disruptions and distractions are minimized, but then really reminding yourself of going into the session and during the session to focus and to listen well, to reflect interest as the mentee is speaking. I think also for the mentor, it's important to be accessible. Sometimes it can be very intimidating to the mentee uh, if they feel like they're imposing on the mentor by uh, taking some of their valuable time to, to talk together. And so really making it as easy, easy as you feasibly can for the mentee to get time on your schedule. Try to minimize reschedulings. Those will occur sometimes, of course. But try to minimize that and really show that you are committed both in terms of listening, but also the venue in which you interact, that it's a 
a venue where everybody's comfortable and distractions are minimized. Now for the mentee, I think it's important to go into the session prepared to think carefully about questions that are posed, to be thoughtful uh, in your responses, but also to be uh, considerate of the mentor's time, of course, uh, to be on time, and, and also go in by taking the actions to minimize anything that may distract you as the mentee during the session as well. Show real appreciation for the mentor's time. And if the uh, mentee and the mentor agree to meet on a periodic basis, to, uh, to really work to get on the mentor's calendar well in advance and to avoid disruptions of the act of trying to schedule the session. Anything that comes up during a mentoring session to a mentee prompts some reflection or follow-up. It's important to follow up on that and to be prepared to speak to that follow-up at the next session. Besides not doing what makes a relationship successful, are there any pitfalls or things that can cause a mentorship relationship to fail? Yeah, there certainly are. You know, one example of something that can cause a relationship to fail is if the sessions are not truly focused on the mentee. And those will tend to be interactions in which there is a lot of direction coming from the mentor and not very much listening on the mentor's part. And where the direction seems to be focused on driving to a particular point or agenda, if you will, that the mentor might have carried into the session. That's the kind of session that doesn't deliver a lot of value for the mentee in terms of moving towards that self-sufficiency and that self-awareness uh, we were talking about. Very important to, uh, to actually ensure that most of the talking in a session should be by the mentee. Ideally, the mentor has some carefully prepared questions that are short questions, uh, pretty basic questions, but are questions that prompt the mentee to think and respond. And so there should be a lot of listening by the mentor and most of the talking by the mentee responding to good questions. Uh, some preparation by the mentor is important in terms of having well thought out questions in advance. And what helped me in terms of uh, developing question mentoring sessions was, was a book that I found very helpful uh, by a gentleman named Michael Bongay Stanier. And it was called The Coaching Habit. And a lot of the focus in that book was really on formulating some basic questions that are going to be very helpful in generating self-reflection by the mentee and uh, the opportunity to have an interaction which the mentee is really thinking through the considerations from experiences and actually arriving ultimately at what the primary lessons are that should be learned. And I think the other thing I liked about his book is his focus on not trying to accomplish too much in a mentoring session. He said, if you can uh, arrive at one key point in a mentoring session, then that's a very successful session. A lot of times, uh, mentoring sessions fail when they try to cover too much ground and overwhelm the mentee with perspectives and information, and they walk away and they're, they're a bit overwhelmed by everything that was discussed, and maybe they only capture none of it or maybe one thing. And so really being more simple and basic, not trying to do too much, and taking it slow is, is what I gained from, from the Coaching Habit book. The only thing that I found a little bit interesting about the book is he used the word coaching. You know, some people think of coaching differently than mentoring. Uh, with some people think of coaching as, as highly directed. The content of the book is based is, is very heavily on mentoring. So you talked about this a little bit previously, but looking back in the personal reflection, who would you say is your most influential mentor and why? 
For me, uh, it was a boss that I had when I had an opportunity to, uh, to work for the Air Force Surgeon General, and that was Lieutenant General Charles Roden. He was the same one that I referenced earlier who, who would have mentoring sessions by buying lunch, but he also did a lot of non-structured, low-structured mentoring going throughout the day. He was also very good about including me in things. There were times when I would go with him to meetings. I would go with him even on trips at times. And I think primarily the reason I did that was because he wanted me to gain exposure to something. He wanted me to see how an interaction worked. He wanted me to see how certain processes came together. And the other thing that was great about his mentoring was that just as I described a moment ago, he posed really excellent questions that really posed a lot of, of thought in formulating a response. And he didn't say a great deal during the session. And he was very rarely directing. He was very much helping me arrive at what are the key points, key lessons to be learned, what were the key challenges uh, that uh, we were confronting, and what were the primary objectives that I felt needed to be uh, achieved in overcoming a particular challenge. So all of that came from me during the mentoring, but it was really him guiding me with very thoughtful questions that helped me arrive at those points. So I think the fact that uh, in his sessions, he would often uh, be the one articulating the primary learning points really reinforced those points. I know it did for me. What was the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten from a mentor? I think probably the best piece of advice would, would be from Lieutenant General Jim Routabush when he was a Surgeon General. And this was as I was just in getting to uh, in, embark upon senior leadership positions in Air Force medicine. The key thing I learned from him was to take your time in formulating an opinion or a solution on something and really work to gain all of the perspectives. So if you're the person at the head of the table or you're the person leading the team you really need to be very deliberate and thoughtful about when you uh, make your perspective or your position on something known. Because uh, as he taught me, once you do that from your position in the, in the leadership chair, probably stopped all of the conversation. And what he meant by really work to gain all the perspectives and insight from everybody on the team is to really consciously seek out the perspectives of those that maybe aren't saying much. He was a master at that. And so it was really very much linked to something that General Rodman used to teach us, which was from his days with Franklin Covey, uh, using that as a, as a leadership tool, was seek first to understand. So uh, General Routabush was a master at that. And, uh, and I think what I learned from him in that regard served me very well. I didn't always follow that advice, but I would catch myself deviating from that advice. And I was able to make self-corrections th thanks to uh, is his mentorship. Is there anything that you know about mentorship now that you wish you would have known earlier in your career? Yeah, absolutely. I think the point I made about posing good questions and doing a lot of listening, I didn't really appreciate that or know that early in my career. And so I looked on mentorship more like what some people call coaching, which was uh, a lot of me talking and mentee listening. Early in my career, I was too heavily in that mode. And now I understand that that really is not the most effective way to have, to have a mentoring session. It doesn't deliver the greatest value to the mentee. So I was fortunate that I had people taught me that, like General Rudman and General Routabush. 
but uh, I, w- I wish I had learned it earlier. So we may have some younger healthcare professionals in the federal systems listening to this. What is something practical that they could do, maybe tomorrow even, if they're interested in getting into a mentorship relationship? As you, as you work, you will identify people whose perspective and experience uh, you will value. I think it's important to to reach out to those individuals and actually seek time to have a conversation. That's that's a pretty intimidating thing to do in some cases. But but I I believe you will find in the U.S. military that this is a core part of our responsibility as leaders. So leaders will be receptive to this. You've got to go about it in a way that's respectful of their time by uh, going through the appropriate process to get some time on their calendar, but it, but it can start with a direct question to them said, would, would you consider having a uh, conversation with me on your schedule just for the benefit of uh, providing uh, me with the benefit of your mentoring? You will, you will almost always find that they are open and receptive to that and actually appreciate the opportunity to do it. So as you identify people whose perspective you think would be helpful to you, take that step. The other thing as you do that is don't restrict yourself to people that are part of your own tribe. You know, we all have our, our, our specialties and our skill sets. As you develop a, a group of people who you interact with regularly for mentoring, reach beyond your, your area of subject matter expertise and have an array of people from different backgrounds and providing uh, mentoring advice to you. I think uh, that will deliver great benefit. I know it did for me. Once you start a relationship, don't be hesitant if it's delivering value for you to, to reach out at, uh, periodically and uh, reconnect for a follow-on conversation. I'm sort of an introverted individual, and I always struggled with that. I always felt like I was, I was possibly bothering somebody, but I learned that uh, it's really my responsibility to do that. And it, it, it yields great value when you follow up with a mentor. And so I have people that still follow up with me now from when I, who I served with on active duty. And I really appreciate it when I hear from them. If you had one take-home message for our listeners about mentorship, what would it be? I think it's absolutely essential that everybody have a, a small group of mentors that they connect with periodically. And so it is essential to your wellness, to your professional success. And so look at it as a core responsibility for you as you move through your career that will never end. As you progress, you will become the mentor in many cases. And I also look on that as a core responsibility for each of us. Do some reading, prepare yourself for that, and develop those good questions and be ready for those opportunities as they come your way. We've been speaking with retired Air Force Lieutenant General Dr. Mark Ettinger. Sir, thanks again for sharing your mentorship insights with us on Wardock's Military Medical Mentorship Moments, and thank you for your service to the nation. Thank you, Doug. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of our special Wardock series, Military Medical Mentorship Moments, in partnership with AMSIS, the Society of Federal Health Professionals. We invite you to follow and subscribe to our show on whatever platform you consume your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please rate and review this podcast and share our show with your contacts on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find out more information about our show and our guests and how to become a member of Team Wardocs on our website, wardocspodcast.com. That's wardocspodcast, one word, dot com. Thanks so much for your support. If you like war stories and medical drama, War Docs has you covered. Spread the word.